Hello and welcome to Arcade Couch, the best place to chill with your friends and get your gaming goodness every Monday at 6am Australian Eastern Time. I'm Ashley Hobley, joining me today on the couch, Kieran Marchant. Hey, I'm here. It's been a long week, it's been a busy week as we talked about on Between the Cushions, but I've stuck with it and I'm still here to record a podcast. Yes, Between the Cushions, available on the Between the Cushions, Arcade Couch Between the Cushions <laughs> podcast feed, 6pm uh, today, Australian Eastern Daylight oh, Standard Time. It's not daylight savings time yet. Uh, check that out. Uh, but yeah, just the two of us today here on the couch, spreading out, quiet week. Uh, we've got a couple of new stories, including, you know, new Kirby, a uh, bunch of acquisitions, mergers, Ubisoft pulling games. It's like It's been, you know, the random assortment of oh, stuff. I'm going to get set up here. You're what? about to set me up with this Ubisoft story. You're about to get me cancelled going to be no, tortured we'll pitchforks. Tortured pitchforks. It'll so, be. back on the 11th, let's just jump straight in, uh, from GameIndustry.biz. Uh, so, the original story, Ubisoft are listing of Assassin's Creed Liberation HD and Silent Hunter 5 from Steam may render them unplayable, even players who own already own them. As reported by PC Gamer, this follows announcements last week that the company would decommission online services in some of these either older games from September, including uh, Assassin's Creed Liberation and Silent Hunter 5. Uh, for both titles, in addition to online services being turned off, it also means that the installation and access to DSA will be unavailable, Ubisoft said at the time. Uh, the story was then clarified with Ubisoft has clarified that players who have purchased the affected titles will not lose access to the games. In a statement shared with IGN, the publisher said, as stated in our support article, only DLCs and online features will be affected by the upcoming decommissioning. Current owners of these games will still be able to access, play, or re-download them. Our teams are working with our partners to update this information across all storefronts and are also assessing all available options for players who will be impacted when this game's online services are decommissioned on September 1st, 2022. So yeah, kind of a non-story, poor messaging. <laughs> Uh, but you know, the on, on go- I didn't even realize Liberation had like a massive online section. Yeah, because it had big. like the similar, I would say it had the similar PvP and like that kind of style of thing as uh, Assassin's Creed 2 did. Because I think that was part of, because uh, Liber- Liberty Liberations was built on Assassin's Creed 3's kind of basis and yes. foundations. So. Um, I think they were still doing online stuff back then with, uh, no, is, with that. Isn't it a Black Flag ripoff? I don't know. Uh, is it? No. Uh, uh, no, because Liberations is about America. It's about Louisiana, isn't it? Or New Orleans? New Orleans. No, yeah, it's three yeah. comma Liberations, so yeah, yeah. it must be. Yeah, so it's, it's better for the nation. That was originally a PS... Vita game, I want to say. It's either Vita or PSP. I think, so, yeah. I think it's a Vita, because PSP is a bit earlier. Um, yes. It's it's one of those games, it's between that and uh, Assassin's Creed Rogue. I've never played uh, Liberations. I played Rogue. Rogue was very, very good. Um, but I think, yeah, it, I, it's good that the games had an opportunity to succeed, like to, to be seen by more players who didn't own the original console it was on. At the same time, it would have had limitations because of that original foundation. Um, so I don't, I don't think this is uncommon or, or unbelievable that they're doing this. Um, I think it's much the same as you know, Capcom taking PT off the store, but then if you have PT downloaded, you're good. I think Liberate Liberations isn't going to be that bad. You'll still be able to download it. Um, it's just a case of you're going to be able to buy new copies of it. They're not going to release any more license keys. Um, yeah, I feel like it's one of those things, and especially like this is a a perfect example of a game that like a lot of the people complaining about this or in uproar never bought the game, didn't buy the game, haven't supported. But now they won't have the option to buy the game. Exactly. Now that people don't have the option to do so, they're getting up in arms and complaining about it. No, I could understand where you could be angry if it's like, hey, you can't play the game at all. Yes, we're going to pull it from the store. Uh, You're not going to have any access to it, which is something I think one of the PlayStation stores are pulling some movies from their 
catalogue yeah. that mm-hmm. even if you paid for it, you won't be able to watch them anymore. Yeah. Uh, but not the case here. Yeah, I think it's... um. You know, and it's valid criticism of digital media and digitalized um, the digital future is, you know, how do we maintain that we're always going to be able to use it? That's 100% understandable. Um, I'm just, uh, yeah, I think it's it's very odd. Um, Ubisoft itself is doing weird moves across the board at the moment. I think Ubisoft is just in a very odd spot where... I feel like a lot of the free-to-play stuff or a lot of the stuff that it's tried to do as of late just hasn't paid off for itself. Um, you know, I think the only big win I can think of Ubisoft in any recent is Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Um, yeah, it's just in a weird spot with it. Um, I'm interested to see as we go forward with this di- with digital games and digital media now that we have some longevity in digital marketplaces and stores to see just how just how this goes down the track because eventually eventually it's going to get harder and harder to download things like you know store isn't um store data isn't infinite uh yeah it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it goes going forward i'm still yeah, all about it still you sell know, your collector's editions without the physical media um oh, fuck that <laughs> <laughs> Why? I'm fine with if you want to sell a collector's edition, that's fine with no physical media. I'm I'm okay with that. Don't include a steelbook. Yeah, don't include a steelbook unless you want to like. Unless what's the point of having a steelbook with nothing in? Well, it depends if it's a steelbook to put a nice. If they want something nice to put the piece of paper in, that's going to hold the code for you to unlock the game. Oh my! Yeah, they don't want to make. They want to make sure the piece of paper doesn't get ruined inside the box. Yeah, well, yes, or it's to present it nightly, nicely. It's all about it's all about presentation because when you buy a collector's edition, you don't want a haphazardly thrown in piece of paper with your game code. You want like to open like a Zelda style chest and like the music to be like da 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 and like the, your code appears out of it. You enter your code. Um, I don't know. I don't think it's the end of the world. I think if it's a steel book that they use to contain something else. Like yes. if they have like give a, us something to put in the steelbook. Yes, then. If there's something in the steelbook, like a a like the video book, game. Or, no, not it doesn't have to be the video <laughs> game or like a behind the scenes or the soundtrack for the game or something like that. Then yes, yeah, they don't. They're not going to give you a video game. They're going to give you a soundtrack on a CD. Hey, they could instead do. of a code for the soundtrack to play yeah. in a separate app. They could do. That's funny. I understand. <laughs> I see your point, but still, still funny. I don't know. I feel like it is. It's it's in a weird spot. Collected editions are. I think sell the steel book separately. Done. Yeah, I think the collected editions just have to pivot slightly. I think they just have to be smarter with how they put yeah. themselves together. No, um, because again, to, to clarify, I can understand why there is not a disc inside a collector's edition. It's because you want to cater to all the people who don't have a disc drive anymore. Yes, a hundred percent. And then so, it's yeah. like, you know, instead of selling two versions of your collector's edition, a, a discless one and a disc one, you just like, no, we'll sell discless because everybody can put a code into their console. Also, then you have no choice but to keep the game. You can't resell it. Yeah. 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 Which is... Actually, yeah, that's it. And I, and I think that's a common thing, right? That's think- a scary thought because obviously, you know, uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it on Platt this week. Uh, the Jon Snow edition of uh, God of War. God of the War. pre-orders all gone very fast. Mm-hmm. Only available through GB. Uh, JB. Mm-hmm. But if they're all digital codes, and I assume this, the, obviously there've been there's been a bunch of scalpers already. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're selling, reselling the collector's edition. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to stop them from like pulling that code out. Before they send it to somebody. Same thing as though there's nothing stopping somebody taking the disc out before they send it to somebody. That's true. Like, like with the same, the same thought process. There's nothing stopping them pulling a disc out and not sending the disc. Yes, if I mean, it'd be could... easy. It'd be easy to explain. Like, oh, there must have been something wrong with Sony. You must get in contact with them and explain why the code's not working. Mm-hmm. You sure you entered it in correctly? Have you tried turning it on and off again. Then again, at the same time. I think then it lends itself to people 
hey, I know how desperately you want these stuff, but don't buy it from scalpers. Yes. Again, the scalpers... That, the reason that scalpers them. are so effective is because you're going to buy it off them. Like... Yep. Yeah, I think if it... It's just a bit Listen, of a catch. Paul, I know you might not have been able to get the edition. <laughs> the, <laughs> the closest edition, but, you know, don't go to the scalpers. Don't go yeah. to the scalpers to buy two of them, you know? Yeah. Crazy. Alright. Uh, this is the story I actually wanted to start with this week. Sorry, Skate, officially called... Skate 4, additionally called Skate. Adopting a free-to-play model. Uh, this is from wellplayed.com.au. In a world where not even Tony Hawk is safe with the beloved skater succumbing to the NFT craze, uh, we've gone full circle and are looking forward to finding solace in Skate 4 or Skate, as it is Skate in all small text with a full stop at the end of the... That's how it's written. As it has been officially named, it has been explained that the reason for the new game is that this is not a reboot or a sequel of any kind, but rather a skate platform that will be built upon for years to come. Don't expect future titles anytime soon. Alongside this new moniker, it was revealed that the game would be adopting a free-to-play model. The developer has also confirmed a few more details, like it being set in San Vansterdam, existing as a sort of sister city to Skate and Skate 2's San Valona. Van Lona? Okay. Uh, this was all discussed in Full Circle's The Boardroom Update on YouTube. Immediately under- understanding the negative perception that free-to-play entails, Full Circle was quick to address the elephant in the room. They state that the team laid down some ground rules from the offset. No pay to win. No map areas locked behind wall paywalls. No paid loot boxes. No paid gameplay advantages. To add even more exciting news, people can sign up to play in the alpha testing period. Full Circle has admitted they won't be able to get everybody... It get everyone into the game at this time, plan to get the game into more and more people's hands. Uh, Kieran, what do you think about Skate being a free-to-play game? I think this is super interesting. I think this is... This has potential to be awesome, but awesome in a way that I don't think will be successful, if that makes sense. <laughs> like, I don't... You know what my dream is? Listen to this. My dream would be that players can go... So players in this the free-to-play model and then this free world that they're roaming around it is uh, paying homage to skating in real life which is players looking for gaps looking for mm. areas to shoot films on to like kind of practice doing tricks on to kind of you find an area of the map and that is your area that you want to try and make something on learn how to use properly I think it'd be really cool if players could not only skate, but they could go in as some kind of film or camera person for their friend. And people get really good at filming these skate videos, like real-life skate videos and and those that do it coming up in modern times, but doing it through this video game. Having this as a free-form skating game that is just about the, the raw passion of learning to skate and kind of echoes what so many people get to do in real life and that many, many more don't get the chance to do and don't get the opportunity to do it in the same way. Um, I'm very interesting. Do I think it's going to be successful? No. Um, <laughs> but I still think it's going to have its community. It's going to have a great, solid community to it. Um, and it's it, there's going to be a lot of potential from within the game. As long as they don't go overboard with, yeah, microtransactions or... Um, I almost want to use the word gamifying the game, like making it too um, much about scores and missions and quests and whatever. Like if if they just keep it as raw and as stripped back as a skate game can be, I think it's got the potential to, to be really good. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I would not have thought of a skateboarding game as a platform to do a free-to-play model. Um just because, how do you make your money off that? I guess it's through... Uh, probably cosmetics. Mo- cosmetics? Like buying different boards, buying different clothing or outfits for your character. Yeah, um, but all, yeah, all of that, you would assume, would be licensed stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's like a percentage of that, I assume, would you be paying for the license. The most important thing about the game, in in my opinion, Yes, and I think this is the same for all skating games, 
the most important thing is going to be the soundtrack. Oh, yeah. I think it is 100% has to be... Do you think people would pay for, like, new soundtrack updates? Yes, I think they would. Or have a Battle Pass-like subscription, like you're paying for Spotify, for the game, <laughs> where you are you are getting new soundtracks and stuff from it. Um, I think that would work really well, to be honest. I think that would be pretty good. Yeah, because music is such a massive thing for these skateboarding games. It's like it's huge. It's, I think you know, I think someone I saw the meme the meme that's going around at the moment is like, don't tell people off for learning about Kate Bush and Metallica from Stranger Things. Remember how we all learned about music from insert whatever thing. It's like you know, insert Tony Hawk Pro Skater too. What was crazy <laughs> for me, and this shows my age a little bit, and I can't remember which Pro Skater it was now. It's a later Pro Skater, but growing. Uh, my appreciation and love for the Foo Fighters, I'd always known about them and, and heard about them more because mm. um, dad and my sister listened to them growing up. But I remember there was one of the Tony Hawk Pro Skater games where um, Foo Fighters' Pretender was on that soundtrack. Mm. And I remember I loved that song so much in that game. There was sessions of me playing that game where I turned off every other song in the playlist. <laughs> and I just listened to that song over and over and over again while playing that game. And it's, you know, I think so many people have love and connection from different bands, especially from pop punk and, and kind of those alternative styles from the original Tony Hawk games. Um, I think to leverage that and to, to use that in a positive way to grow more music for people, but also to support your game financially i think it's a fantastic idea yeah as long as you know the artists are getting paid as well which i assume they 100 percent, yes uh yeah i guess in my mind this must be more like a gta online kind of thing where yes. they're gonna have a city and you're just gonna be able to go around yep. and you there will be certain points where you can have checkpoints and like to have certain I'd love quest missions be- or I'd love it. You know? One of the coolest things about the original um, skates was like my favorite game mode from Skate was Horse. I loved Horse so much, and Horse was so cool mm-hmm. because you could just naturally pick spots throughout the world. Like you could run to a spot and be like, "This is where this part of Horse or this round of Horse is going to take place," and then players would have to play around that. It wasn't always set locations or set areas. You could kind of like pick where you were going to do it and, and play it out that way. I think to have the ability to be anywhere on the map and to start a horse competition or to start something with your friends, I think it would be so fucking cool. Would be so cool and so fun. I think the more freeform and the more naturally flowing skate is as a game online, I think the better it is for players. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, any of these like skating movies that you see, it's like. Just your friends going around a city in skateboarding, you know? If you can recapture that kind of experience in this game, I think, you know, uh, you could definitely succeed. But yeah, monetary, it's going to be how they cap- how they were able to monetize the game, how much of a fan base they're able to capture. And obviously, Skate's such a big, a big name. People have been clamoring for it. Um, there'll definitely be people there day one willing to give it a shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially, yeah, it, it it's definitely going to have an initial player base. It's going to be whether it has the content there to keep players around. Yes, one hundred percent. That's going to be the key. All right. Uh, sticking on an EA outfit, uh, respawn could be working on an Apex Legends single player game, according to job listings. This is also from Well Played. According to a recent job listing on Respawn Entertainment's career page, a single-player Apex Legends title might be in the works. As spotted by Dextero, the listing for a senior engine's system engineer, C++, mentions that as a senior systems engineer, uh, Apex Legend, Apex Universe first-person shooter incubation title, you will design, build, and main technology that enables the team to create engaging gameplay and fantastic experiences. The mention of a Apex Universe first-person shooter incubation title alone doesn't immediately confirm that the Undernance project is a single-player game, but numerous other listings on the page refer to a brand new respawn single-player adventure that could well and truly be the same project. Sure, this could just be yet another game in the development of respawn, as they're already working already working on Star Wars Jedi Survivor, while also providing support for Apex. 
but I don't think anyone would be surprised to see Apex branching out into the single-player space. Originally spinning off from Titanfall, Apex has grown into pop- grown in popularity to surpass its origin, so the mention of this new incubation title being set in the Apex universe rather than the Titanfall universe isn't too shocking. Though many would love to see Titanfall 3, it does seem more likely that Respawn would capitalize on the success of Apex moving forward. Uh, Kieran, Respawn seem to be working on a million games at the moment, but do you see them working on an Apex single player game? I'm confused. Is Titanfall's universe different to Apex's universe? No, it's the same universe, they're just calling it Apex now. <laughs> that that makes sense. I wouldn't be surprised if it was Titanfall 3, or and then they just were incorporating more of Apex Legends characters into Titanfall. Like, I don't... No, nobody cares about Titanfall. <laughs> Fuck off, nobody cares about Titanfall. Titanfall 2 was such an amazing game. I mean, I know, players still are, are still are playing Titanfall in Titanfall 2. So, I mean, like, I, mean. I, I would be... I'd be surprised if they didn't. Um, like, yeah, I'd be surprised if they didn't go back. To Can you imagine if they did? If it was Titanfall three and they're calling it part of the Apex Legends universe? But I don't think that's a problem, though. I don't think that is a. Um, to me personally, I don't see that as a well. Titanfall came first, so the universe should be named after it. Where it's like. Well, Iron Man came first, but we don't call it the fucking Iron Man cinematic universe, do we? We call it the Marvel one. Like, (laughs) it's just Apex is just the larger, broader, fucking broader scoped term for it all. It's it's like the Titanfall is, you know, if you want to go back to it, now Titanfall is recontextualized as Titanfall is an Apex Legends story. Um, Yeah. I I think you know and like it's like you know comparing it to Overwatch. Overwatch people are very excited for people to have single player content and PVE content in that game because there's so much lore to it. And I think games like Overwatch and Apex Legends capitalize on its characters because even in their multiplayer games they can have these quick little dialogues with each other at the start of maps or during maps where they 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 show there is character behind them and connection behind them. Um, I would just be very interested to see if they. how they would develop a single player game around that and fill that up into it you know that would that would it would be interesting to see what characters they pick if they pick one or if they pick multiple and and how they flesh and build off that whereas i think titanfall as a as a premise and a, a as a very good and steady foundation for it um as a single player campaign and has kind of already revolutionized single player games there is levels in titanfall 2 that are just i think is some of the best gameplay design that is still to this day has ever come out. Um, I, I yeah, I think there's a lot of hope. Whether it is Titanfall, whether it is something else, I think we should we can put belief in Respawn and Respawn are definitely you know they've definitely got that that belief of its fan base and belief of the people around them that you kind of just know that they're going to do a good job of it and to just give them a bit of faith and give them a bit of um, bit of belief with it. So. Um, you know, they're by no means have they. They're probably where Bethesda used to be, and and studios like that used to be before they started releasing kind of and losing the goodwill of the people. Respawn definitely has people's goodwill and good intentions in mind right now. Yeah, I could definitely obviously see it being you know it working. I don't know exactly how it would fit it in. Like you're going to just make players play as one of the champions that are currently available, the legends available in the the game. Is it just centered around one specific character with a singular story? Or is it like a mix and match kind of thing? I don't know. But, you know, I- I'd be keen to see what they do and like how much they tie it into like Apex Legends and that kind of stuff. So, uh, it- the only, my only worry is like Respawn has a lot of stuff on their plate at the moment. So, uh, uh I just, I feel like it, though they have grown and they have segmenting correctly in a way that it's not so much of a problem or they seem to be growing in a positive light to be able to do that it does see you know even to the fact where ea is kind of like respawn you are a shining light in the darkness we should just pump as much as we can into supporting respawn and making respawn the best possible version of itself compared to a lot of the other developers and um, studios under the ea banner currently yep all right uh this is an interesting acquisition story. This is from Washington Post. Nintendo buys animation studio amid video game blockbuster renaissance. Nintendo has bought out Dynamine, Dynamo 
Pictures, a Tokyo-based CG production studio that will be renamed Nintendo Pictures, according to a recent filing from the video game Giant. The acquisition and name change are projected to close on October 3rd. In the filing, Nintendo said it's acquiring Dynamo to strengthen the planning and production structure of visual content in the Nintendo group. The studio has a diverse portfolio of animation and motion project capture projects under its belt and has done work for several games like Monster Hunter World and Death Stranding. The studio previously collaborated with Nintendo to create animated shorts based on its Pinkman series. The buyout comes out on the heels of the upcoming Super Mario Brothers movie. Kieran, are they what what's the explanation behind this move? Is Nintendo wanting to leverage more of the IPs to make more feature films? Or is it like, I hey, we've so. We're think, going to use this as a asset, marketing asset. I think it's um, by and by. Nintendo's always had, especially with Pokemon. Nintendo's always had great success with Pokemon. They've already dabbling with the Mario movie coming out. Um, yeah, it would it would be no surprise if they're wanting to keep doing that. Nintendo has great IP. They've seen the success of Sonic. They've you know they've seen where the potential now lies with video games and their brand. So much of their brand is family-friendly and positive for that kind of audience where, um, you know, right now in cinemas we have grown-ass men slash teenage boys dressing up in suits to go see a Minions movie. Mm-hmm. Like, there is there is potential for, whether it's memed or whether it's positive attention, there is potential for animated movies and you know for a lot of people animated movies are timeless like they're ageless like you can you can go and watch one when you're 30 you can watch the same one and take your kids to it and still enjoy it you know and in children's media in general we're seeing shows like bluey that are so widely regarded by people because they're not only fantastic for children but adults who are sitting at home watching them with their children are really enjoying them and, and liking the humor out of them and they're tackling some really serious and somewhat in some places dark topics but they're tackling them in a positive way and yes nintendo is never going to do that with their ips but there is opportunity there for them to use their ips to not only bring in the audiences that is the people that have had nintendo consoles for the last 30 years but also their kids and their families as they're growing older and growing larger now yeah, I agree. You know, I think, you know, it make it kind of makes sense that Nintendo would buy their own studio and like want to make something have a lot more creative control over. Like, uh, I don't know how much, how well that bodes for the Mario movie. Like, man, this process sucks. <laughs> they got Chris Pratt. We've, we've, we've got to buy a studio and just make it all ourselves. It's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> let's just make it easier. Um, but yeah, which which Nintendo IP do you think would be the first one that would want to tackle? Uh, maybe something like Kirby. I think Kirby's very positive in, in that animation, especially if you want to go smaller scale animation. Mm. Um, it would either be yeah Kirby or or the the wider Mario. Um, yeah, it'd be like a Donkey Kong, or like something. Donkey Kong or something. Yeah, exactly. Like, um. I think they've already experienced success with those, you know, there's always, uh, growing up, there was always those kind of shows randomly popping up. There was a Donkey Kong one growing up when I was a kid, um, that I remember quite vividly, um, or even like, I had a very special, and this is Sonic, so this is Sega, but, um, Sonic had a show called Sonic Underground, which was about Sonic when he was in a band, and it kind of makes no sense now, but at the same time, it was still (laughs) really good and really enjoyable. Um, it would be really interesting if not only if they did cinema, if they started doing series and they're going out to your, your Netflixes or your Amazon Primes or your Hulus or yeah. um, Stan or somebody and taking their, their series to those places, mm-hmm. I think. Um, Get a big one going, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a lot or of Or make them there. exclusive to the Nintendo or eShop. Give <laughs> only available to watch. Another, give people another reason to buy the Nintendo fucking online. Yes, uh, only exclusive to Nintendo online. Online. The, the another one would be. Could you imagine? Cons- could you imagine how great a kids' shorts would be? Like a short TV show that'd only be like maybe fifteen minutes long for kids, set within the Animal Crossing universe. So oh, it's that's- just like like so. It's just handful episodes of you know. 
Tom Nook being the dirty little capitalistic bastard that he is. <laughs> like, just, just you have Thanks. so many characters you could draw from and pick up on and create little, half, very short and very snappy stories to teach kids different things, a wide variety of things. Take, take in your Blueies, for example, as I've already brought up. Uh, the bluey example but within the animal crossing world i just think that that just seems like a license to print money to me to be perfectly honest i mean anything animal cross uh, animal crossing arguably became one of their franchise like key franchises in the last two years so i mean capitalizing on that makes a lot of sense i wouldn't be surprised if they would do like a splatoon tv show Mm-hmm. Just about a Try bunch of squid kids, you know. Keep, keep doing, keep doing that, keep, guys. You, you gotta like Splatoon eventually, right? Everyone. I mean, listen. I know it's big. Bring, it's just bring. Give us the Arms movie that we're all demanding, dude. If Arms had a movie, that game would just have make it like Rocky, but with with guys with long arms. Adrian, I can reach you from over here. <laughs> Oh, my spring's not working as good anymore. <laughs> Rock, I'm going to make you crap thunder and spring like a spring. Yeah, it doesn't have the, quite the same ring to it, does it? No. no, but yeah, we'll look forward to whatever Nintendo does uh, sometime in the future. <laughs> uh, the other acquisition story I had, uh, Nordisk Games acquires Supermassive. Of course, Supermassive, the developers of... Uh, Until Dawn and the Dark Pictures Anthology uh, have been fully acquired by Nordisk. Nordisk previously had taken a 30.7% stake in Supermassive, uh, but now they completely own that studio. Uh, It's been a little over a year... Oh, CEO and founder of Supermassive, Pete Samuels, says it's been a little over a year since Nordisk Games made an initial investment in Supermassive Games and our vision for the future. During that time, we found that we share a lot of important values with Mikkel and his team. We believe these values to be equally important to our existing commercial partners who we will continue to support. Uh, on the good side, they're not being bought by any of the big three or four street game companies that are buying everybody. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. guess that's good. But uh, yeah, I guess it's good that, you know, Submassive is going to have more support, like more backing uh, to hopefully make more games like The Quarry that people like and less games like... The Dark Anthology games that people, <laughs> less people like. I think the I think Supermassive have definitely gone through um, a, maybe a bit more soul searching. I think they've they tried to dabble in what they were doing with the with the. Um, they've kind of fallen into almost like a similar Telltale thing. Yes, yes. Where they do that that one thing they do horror adventure stories, choose your own adventure stories. And they're kind of all the same. They kind of look all the same. Kind of all play the same. And then it's somewhat better than others. Yep. I think that's that's very fair. And uh, it worked out so well for that <laughs> for that team. Um, I, I think, you know, hey, we could see another company running around in a supermassive game skin suit in a couple years' time after they got really, really not. big. But, um... No, I think they've done their—they've um, uh, done their their work. They've been positive around it. They've—I um, think they've—they've they've grown. I think they do need maybe this, you know, Nordic coming in can help steer them into a better direction or kind of find them a, a, a new avenue to go down. Um, I think they're very good at what they do. I just think they need to find ways to improve and to diversify their their gaming even to me it isn't even the the gameplay style doesn't bother me i think the gameplay style is fine i just think they need to shake up the stories they're telling and the the effort that they're telling them with yeah uh yeah so i guess we'll see what happens with supermassive next i think they've got another dark pictures anthology title in the works but then what after what's after that who knows uh, final interesting acquisition story for this week. Kieran, have you heard of the game Hurdle? No, I've not heard of the game. So it, it is a 
It's one of several, is it like, like Wordle? yes, it's one of those several tangential Wordle, like oh, Hurdle, it's like the music, it's the one, music right? one, like it's the yes, okay, okay, so okay, yeah, yeah, music yeah, streaming up. platform Spotify has bought popular music guessing I was game Hurdle. About to suggest, I was about to ask and guess did Spotify yes. buy it because that makes a yes. Hell According of to Spotify, sense. the daily game which sees players trying to guess the name of a song by listening to it in one second bursts will be integrated into the main platform. The company said the look and feel of Hurdle will stay the same and will remain free to play for all users. Players will also be able to listen to the daily song via Spotify after completing the round. You know what would be a really cool version of Hurdle? What? For, for like a Spotify version, if they use their own metrics and their own analytics for your account, if they make a more... Spe- if there's like the main hurdle, but then there's also a more specific hurdle for you. And a more customized hurdle like, for you. Or like, give me because... genre hurdles. Don't give me just yeah, one hurdle hurdles, for a day. Or... Yeah. Or, like, just let me do... Because that's the frustrating... I tried Hurdle a little bit. Yeah, um, I sucked. <laughs> until it got into, like, a couple days in a row where I just had no... It was either no fucking clue or, like, the song they chose and the section of the song they'd picked was just a terrible section to try and... Well, they don't want to make it easy. No. They don't want it to be, oops, time. I did it again, and then she's singing, oops, I did it again the first time. No, 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 but, like, at the same time, you don't pick a section that's, like... For the first like ten it's, seconds it's of it, it's like it's like silence mixed with like a couple beats or something like, boom, 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 and you're just like, what the fuck is this? Like, there's no way. Or, and the other thing I think of with with hurdle, sometimes I need the. Sometimes I I know the song, but I don't know what the fuck it's called <laughs> or who sang it. Well, you like, can, I can the, sing yeah, the song. You need to know at least one. You need to know roughly, like, where you're going with it, right? Like, you need to... Yeah, I don't know how they solve that problem or, or no, anything. you just have to be better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, true. True. Fair enough. But yeah, this it. I guess it's a good home. You know, Spotify, obviously, is going to put money into it. And then you'll legally be able to listen to the songs and everything. I imagine they'll have a wider, wider catalogue of songs they could potentially pick. But I guess you don't want to go too niche, right? You have to be mm-hmm. reasonably popular if you're going to do... One, but yeah, that seems like a smart fit and like good for the people who like capitalized on the Wordle trend to cut with their spinoff and now cashing in just like the Wordle guy did with the New York Times. <laughs> uh, Dream- Kirby's Dream Buffet is a brand new eShop's exclusive party game coming this year. Press Start reports, if you thought that Kirby in the Forgotten Land was the only Kirby game coming this year, think again, because Nintendo just announced Kirby's Dream Buffet on its social media channels. This game is an eShop exclusive coming this winter that will see Kirby in four player battles consisting of four rounds where you go through obstacle-style courses going bigger and bigger as each round goes in, in what appears to be a mix of Katamari and Super Monkey Ball. Uh, the game description is roll through a smorgasbord of foods-themed stages in four rounds of four-player fun as Kirby, who seems rounder than usual, races through delicious obstacle courses to collect strawberries as Kirby grows, then turn the tides of the final round, a fruity fight atop a floaty platform. Roll through delicious food-themed obstacle courses and four-player matches, collect strawberries to grow bigger, and prepare for the final battle. Kieran, did you watch the trailer for this? No. Let me tell you. <laughs> it makes you hungry because it's all cake themed okay, and like okay. frosting and delicious. stuff so it's like yes please <laughs> does, does does Kirby like eat the cake in like one big bite like, no um, because it's massive uh, cakes he's like yeah, he's, cake, hey, he's like an ant to the cake Kirby can mm, but Kirby can eat a car let's just not so go there and um could... <laughs> <laughs> let's just avoid getting in trouble with anybody um about this cute game. Uh, I think, it, you know, it's clearly like going on the Mario Party uh, Fall Guys kind of aesthetic and uh, multiplayer kind of feel to it. Uh, you know, any they'll like shoehorn Kirby into any kind of genre of game. Look, it's cute. It is cute. And Kirby can do it, man. Kirby is a stretchy and out- uh, moldable kind of character who can mold to fit whatever genre you would like them to be a part of. So yep. um, I think they do so well. And I think as a universe, as a character, in many ways, I think it, it hasn't had the chance or the 
had the opportunity to be used as as a as a IP as it should be. I think. Um, yeah, we've Kirby talked about it before. Has... Kirby is a weird thing. Yeah. Apparently, well, the other yeah. colored Kirby's are called Waddledees. Didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, because Waddledee's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say to her. <laughs> I, I just... uh, uh, yeah, so odds are this will be free to play, much like uh, I think Kirby Fighters or something. There was definitely a like fighting one that you could get last year that was free to play as well. Mm-hmm. So you know, yeah, just an uh, overload of Kirby. So need more Kirby. Need more Kirby. Uh, mm-hmm. This one's from Kotaku. Folks waiting for Xbox remaster of GoldenEye 007 may be waiting a little longer. The existence of the remaster of Rare's much-loved James Bond title GoldenEye 007 has pretty much been an open secret for a while now. There was the renewal of the trademark for the title, which is generally standard for companies wanting to keep their IPs in their possession, but then there was a case of Rare developers racking up achievements in the game, which led many to believe that the remaster is not only happening, but that it is playable. Where is it then? When can we expect GoldenEye 007 to be dropping onto modern consoles? Well, according to a report from GamesRadar, the game may be held back from release for the foreseeable future. According to a tweet from VentureBeats, Jeff Grubb, the remaster of 007 is reportedly still in limbo because of the war, referencing the ongoing Russian invasion of Ukraine. Uh, after Grubb's tweet, an article from Eurogamer states that they also understand this to be accurate. Uh, of course, the 1995 GoldenEye takes place before and after the fall of Soviet Union, the plot focusing on post-Cold War Russia. Russian military themes and settings from the film appear in the game, and fictional Russian General Urmumov, Urmov, as well as the nameless Russian soldiers, are available to play in GoldenEye 007's multiplayer mode. So considering there is a whole lot of Russian themes present in the game, it seems like Microsoft might be hesitant to release the title at the moment. Even Nintendo is holding back the release of Advance Wars 1 plus 2 for the same reason, and that game doesn't even reference Russia. Uh, Kieran, do you understand why they were not releasing GoldenEye 007? Yeah, I think so. I think there's... And it's the same thing as... It's a very similar thing to Top Gun this year, how Top Gun never mentions who the enemy is in either of the Top Guns. Like, they, it's no, just heavily it's implied, implied and yes. heavily in suggested who the enemy is. Um... I think it is, you know, sadly with this kind of thing, it is very much a a uh, a risk to do such a thing. Not even a case of just, you know, not wanting to upset people, but these are the type of countries that have enough sway or enough power in other ways to kind of greatly affect companies that disrespect them or um, feel like they have used their name to get ahead. I think it's very... You know, it's not really needed for them to to push ahead with it or to um to make a game with those kind of characters being involved and those being featured very heavily. It's sad because Goldeneye is a great game and and it's written on that Cold War kind of aesthetic, but um I think it is yeah, sadly it is what it is in in the current climate politically of the world. Um. And, you know, we don't need to be giving too much extra um, kind of whatever it is, publicity, one way or another, to um, to any countries in that position currently. Alright. Uh, the final news story I've got. Uh, Twitter has come out and released a bunch of different reports uh, via their blog revolving around gaming. Uh so, in the first half of 2022, there are approximately 1.5 billion tweets about gaming, a record half following up a record year for gaming conversation in 2021. 36% increase in tweets about gaming year over year was driven by big-time conversations around game releases like Elden Ring, esports leagues like Call of Duty League, Valorant Champions Tour, and professional gaming league Counter-Strike, Global Offensive, and Global Gaming events like Xbox Showcase, PlayStation State of Play, and Summer Games Fest. Gamers around the world continue to come to Twitter to discuss all the latest happenings and trends, from new game releases to patch notes to highlights from major sports, events, and happenings. So they've got a bunch of different stats. Uh, So I'm I'm, going to let you guess what the number one is in each of these categories. All right? Sure. All right. 
countries with the most tweeting the most about gaming uh america that's number two china china is not on the list okay will it have to be korea south korea is number three oh my god what's number one then is it russia russia is not on the top (laughs) ten oh my god I think it may be a country where a lot of games are made. (laughs) Where two of the three console makers are based. Well, I said America, didn't I? There's another country where they're based. Or or, or originated. England? No. UK is nine. (laughs) Oh my god. Why do I feel so fucking dumb? Oh, Japan. Japan is number one, yes. There we go. I don't know why my brain was so fixated on Microsoft. All right. Uh, most tweeted about esports athlete. Esports athlete? Yeah. Ninja. No. So I'm not, I'm just going to jump straight to it. It's uh, Fallen at Fallen NCS. I have no idea. Uh... I think they're either... They must be either they're a, CSGO yeah, they're a professional CSGO player. player. Yeah. So he's number one. It's interesting that it's Fallen. I thought it'd be, like, simple if it was anything for CSGO. Fair enough. He's number seven. Okay. Yeah, so... Most tweeted about esports team. Would have to be... Either Team Solo Mid or Cloud9. Nope. Number one, most tweeted about esports oh. team is... Oh, do you want another guess? Or is it FaZe? Nope. It's Loud Esports. What? Yeah. Who the fuck are they? They're a League of Legends team. <laughs> in the, wait, sorry, in the name, in the, the words of this one Conor McGregor, who the fuck is that guy? That's a Brazilian team. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Which... Okay. South America yes, is, is a big... Which leads into yeah. my next one. Most tweeted about esports league would be the South Amer- would be like the South American League of Legends. Yeah, so it's the Brazilian League, league of Legends, yeah. <laughs> followed yeah. by Play Apex Esports is number two. Mm-hmm. Okay, most tweeted about gaming personalities globally. Uh, Ebay. No. No. So according to this, it is. Or is it XQC? It would have to be like the other one, I would think. So apparently it is colon 56N, who I'm guessing is a Japanese streamer. Right. (laughs) Right. Okay. Uh, So last list, top 10 most tweeted about video games in the first half of 2022. What do you think is number one? Uh, well, Elden Ring will be the first. Elden Ring is number seven. Oh my god. Okay, it'd have to be League of Legends and Valorant? Valorant is number nine. League of Legends is not in the top ten. Uh, like, it have to be like something dumb like Genshin Impact. Genshin Impact is the number one most tweeted about video games. Oh my god. <laughs> it's Genshin Impact number one. Wordle number two. Oh, Ensemble okay. Stars, number three. Final Fantasy, number four. Project Sakai, number five. Apex Legends, number six. Elden Ring, number seven. Fake Granddaughter, number eight. And Valorant, number nine. And The Legend of Zelda, number ten. Okay. Interesting. So, yeah. People tweeting about non-important stuff all the time. Karen, you wanted to rant about something. I not ranted about something. You know what? That's funny, right? So I've, there's there's. <laughs> Before I get into it, while I've been sat here like during the show, I have this sickening suspicion that I've had this topic before, and I brought this up before, and I think it was actually linked to the very same thing I'm going to talk about. So, if it sounds familiar, we you just say we nod our heads and then we 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 end the show. Um, but do you remember, uh, 12 months ago now, there was this thing about, 
um, somebody rebuilding or remastering The Simpsons Hit and Run. Like, there was somebody who, like, a fan did a fan make version of Simpsons. No, I don't recall this. Okay, okay, okay. So, um, a a creator called Rube uh, recreated Simpsons Hit and Run in a week. And remastered it, rebuilt the game. Mm -hmm. It was a fan project, it was never anything. It wasn't until this this afternoon, even before I was eating, before we started recording... Popped on my YouTube, um, remaking Hit and Run by Rube. And I was like, okay. So it looks like at the moment, he, this creator Rube is actually remastering um, the Simpsons Hit and Run or remaking Simpsons Hit and Run in Unreal Engine 5, but is also beginning to change the game and alter the game. So his first objective with it is to make the whole thing an open world. So whereas the original Simpsons Mm. Hit and Run game was segmented into different levels where you played as different characters, he has, um, using a mod that somebody else has created, brought in and actually made the map into one large map. So you could drive from one side of it to another seamlessly without... So one part of Springfield to another part of Springfield. Yeah, without having to load between the different sections. That they're all... Wasn't there an open world Springfield? Simpsons game? I want to say. Uh, it was kind of like Hit and Run was as close. close as I think it gets, but that was still like sectioned off into levels yeah. that it could load into. Um, And so, and doing that, and then he started to incorporate different ideas, like um, a character swapping ability like from GTA 5, where while you're playing as one character in the world, say Homer, you can switch and it does the same kind of zoom out a bit effect and it zooms in another character and you take control of Marge or Apu or Lisa or Bart. Um, and it's currently showing him, like I think I can see uh, the second episode of the series is up where he's going through and, and remastering the game and bringing in modern day gaming ideas thanks to technology and the, the gameplay design of modern day and implementing inside Citizen Sin and Run, which is improving quests, um, developing characters and graphics, overall design of the game, including, yeah, the open world elements. And this made me think about what games would you look back on and really love if somebody remastered it but or remade it in a way where they reimagined it using modern day gaming um techniques and modern day gaming um theories like for for my my instance was of course this is one that technically actually already happened but looking back at the the limitations of spider-man 2 or the spider-man movie the spider-man 2 movie game you know we did get that with insomniac spider-man um but to look back and to see how if spider-man 2 had been implemented using the modern day uh, implications of graphics and technology and power that our consoles have, it would be a much greater game and a much more interesting game. Um, I think looking back at games like Fahrenheit and games like even um, say more instances rather put Fahrenheit on the back seat for a second, but like like Hit and Run, like the original Jack and Daxter or Ratchet and Clank or um, games that you could seamlessly make now without having to load into different worlds and have it be seamless worlds that you're moving through and exploring and changing. Um, I think there's so much more opportunities or, you know, different, like make a new NBA Jam game um, with um, the abilities of, you know, your NBA 2Ks, your more arcadey games. You know, Skate is another instance of a, of a skating game like Tony Hawk being made with new modern day stuff. Are there any games that come to mind for you of, of original great games or games that you loved as a kid that you got which were remastered or remade using that? You know, it's very much the, a commonality nowadays with Resident Evil 2 and, and the Resident Evil games systematically getting remade and remastered. Um, we've also had, you know, Final Fantasy 7 getting a full remake, which has changed the game fundamentally. Do you do you have any games that kind of come to your head in this conversation that that you think would be really good? And what kind of um, gameplay mechanics or things would you like added into the game that you think would improve it to to a point that it couldn't have been back when it was originally? Well, released? I think the ones that I want are like ones that are actually in the process of being or franchises yep. that are heading in that direction. Obviously, Pokemon would be one. Yes. There's yep. like, hey, let's like. Let us to don't force us down the single track. Let us 
roam around. If I want to get that fire badge first, let me go get that fire badge first. I don't want to fight that rock Pokemon gym. Mm-hmm. Fuck Brock. Um, <laughs> or something like uh, Knights of the Old Republic. Like, that would be cool if that was more action-based and more you didn't have the weird turn-based system that's involved in it. No cool turn-based systems. Weird. No, like, no, but weird like inside stuff. that game in particular, it wasn't. Yes, of course. It was, yes. you set moves in motion and then they'll happen eventually. <laughs> Whenever yeah. Okay, yeah, you got a point. dice in the background come right, mm-hmm. maybe it'll hit something. Um, but yeah, it sounds like the remake of that is going to be a bit more like Final Fantasy VII Remake, where it won't be. <laughs> That kind of thing. Um, yeah, I think games like that, anything like anything with load screens or like weird janky switching, like it'd be cool if they did an actual good Star Fox. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's actually very true. Yeah. That would be like something I would be down for. Like, um, I think there are teams like that are doing Star Fox inspired games uh, that, you know, will be more modernized and that kind of stuff so um yeah it's an interesting concept i feel like there are definitely even if you don't have the direct franchise involved there are definitely like versions of the game being made at different levels somewhere you know i feel there's so many spiritual successes and so many like inspired by games now that you know so many of those classic games that we wish had yeah. a certain twist have kind of been, or are in the works. They're like someone's taking that idea yes, and running with it. There's already an iteration of it, or, or change, or um, you know, it, it's it almost makes me a little sad that like certain games got made at the time that they got made. If that mm. makes sense, like um, you know, I wish there were a variety of games like the original Tomb Raiders. It'd be cool if the our first time experiencing those games wasn't, you know, back when she had triangular boobs and, yeah. and very, <laughs> you know, poorly made physics and stuff in the game. If our first time experiencing it was with all of the, the bells and whistles and the, the power and the um, opportunity for development that we now have in video games, I think, yes, we look back and we go, damn, I wish, you know, damn, I love those games that give nostalgia. I can guarantee for most people, if you actually go back and play games, nostalgia doesn't hold no. up well enough, and most of the games suck. Um, it's also and you, you don't enjoy them. And the two franchises that I much. actually do think of that would most like carry over would be have again already done Doom and Wolfenstein. Yes, you know, 100%, taken those 100%. and like made them fantastic franchises that people love again. So yeah, and even the case of like you know I don't i know it's a a a uh, topically sticky um ip because of all of the 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 negative press and the shitty comments that have been made by mm. jk rowling oh. but like the original harry potter games i fucking loved when i was a kid mm. running around uh, hogwarts in chamber of secrets as harry and even though it's, you kind of look back and you realize how limited it was and how little space in that castle there was to explore it was still amazing to look yeah. at and to play and then we're going to hopefully yeah. get something again like that that's in, in Hogwarts we're like hoping making exactly. a game like what we wanted back in the day yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent and it's it's um yeah i, I think <laughs> it's like I, I want them to i'd love them to remake a wwe game like here comes the pain um, they are. It's called AEW Undisputed. AEW Wrestle Forever, whatever it's called. Yeah. Uh, Fight Forever, yeah. Um, yeah, it's. Um, it, but even that, like, I, I have a, such a soft spot for um, Raw and SmackDown, uh, SmackDown versus Raw in like 2007, 2008, because they didn't feel like they needed to. It had a career mode where is that it, the one it, that had a career mode with like CM Punk and uh, Triple yeah, H and stuff? Yeah, 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 yeah. And you got to interact with different characters and see your stories. And I know they're bringing that back, but they do those now with too much knowing that no, that what they do now is on. they do showcase modes where it's just like a historical reenactment. Yes, and then they do they do other ones where it's like you know, oh, uh, you're playing through a created character's yes. story or whatever. But like. 
I used to, they used to love it with, it was like actually playing through episodes of like storylines that were written back in the day. And like, they didn't have this tongue or like knowing that like, Hey, we know that, you know, this is all scripted and we know that this, we know that, yep. that, that this is sports entertainment and we, we no judge. I'm like, I kind of wish they, they gave back like alternate and... timeline versions of the yeah, WWE. Like, yeah. like Come back and, and bring back kayfabe for that and kind of develop that. Or make a WWE game in, like, the Telltale Adventure system. Like, like make it, like... Wow. So it's not <laughs> as much about the wrestling, but it, but it's about the characters... Decision-making. ...around wrestling and, so, and decision-making, yeah. Am exactly. I going to go for a suplex or a DDD? <laughs> like, well, what? potentially, or, like, yeah, am I going to win... Am I going to hit this person with a chair or not? Stuff <laughs> like that. I don't know. I feel like... You know, maybe stepping away from the realm of remastering a little bit, but I think there's so many, you know, premises that we've stepped away from or moved away from from those earlier generations that I think if we if we properly did again, and we I'm sure they will eventually. Um, it's it's interesting how they could be enhanced or changed to be improved overall. All right, I think that brings us to the end of this episode of Arcade Couch. If you want to talk to us about anything we've been discussing on this episode uh let us know what your thoughts are go to explosion.com slash twitter or you can jump into our discord at explosion.com slash discord uh if you want to help us out here at arcade couch leave us a review on apple Podcasts or on podcast or tell people about the show or leave five stars anywhere you can leave five stars and if you like this episode thought it was worth a dollar head on over to our code page at explosion.com slash support and nice coffee Every little bit helps keep the lights and servers and other things here running at ExplosionNetwork.com. Thank you very much for listening. See you here next week. Same time, same couch. <laughs>